Welcome to Misinformation, hosted by Rebecca Jones and produced by Big Mouth Media. This weekly podcast with Florida COVID whistleblower Rebecca Jones dives into the world of disinformation and how it's hurting America and democracy. Now, here she is, Misinformational. everyone. I am Rebecca Jones. Today we are recording is a day that will go down in infamy to say at least. It is June 13th. You are hearing this on June 15th of 2023. I am Misinformational and I am joined as always with the amazing Dr. Cindy Banyai. How are you? I'm great. Yeah, just been watching the coverage of the Trump indictment that's happening not too far where I am right now. I'm in Naples, Florida, and the indictment's happening in Miami. And uh, so we'll be watching how that unfurls. Which is interesting and potentially a strategy by Jack Smith. Of course, we know, especially from the photos now, that uh, Donald Trump did retain classified documents in his Mar-a-Lago home. However, he also did so at his Bedminster location in, I believe, was it New Jersey? New Jersey. Yeah. But uh, he was charged in Miami. And um, I think that's a good play. Maybe he'll also be charged to New Jersey. I don't know. But um, charging him here in Florida makes it really difficult for Trump to try to say that he's being targeted by, you know, let's say, Alvin Bragg or that, you know, it's the corrupt. I mean, Democratic governor who's coming after him, which in this case is Ron DeSantis, which is part of the reason he's being charged here. Let's be honest. Nobody benefits more from Trump possibly going to prison than Ron DeSantis in a Florida court, which are, you know, across the board stacked with Trump appointees, including the one that he pulled, which I would be shocked if, you know, prosecutors do not um, move to have her recuse herself. So um, he can't use the whole political prosecution thingy um, the way that he did in New York and likely will in, in Georgia because this is all well, happening. In, yeah, in the, um, the actually Mecca. I was going to say my my former opponent Byron Donalds is trending because he got on CNN bright and early this morning and did just an amazing job lying his ass off to protect Trump while lying his ass off and trying to smear Joe Biden. So he's, depending on if you're the person on Twitter is like a conservative or, you know, a liberal or Democrat, you get these two things because he, that's all he did on Twitter, on uh, CNN this morning. But people are just really astonished at his willingness to, to, basically say that this was nothing this oh there's 33 bathrooms in mar-a-lago like like you can't just go around in different places it wasn't a big deal like to try to mitigate what was going on is just absolutely amazing and and those kind of battle lines are are really being drawn right now so i was you know for part of my prep on this unfortunately going through all of the media interviews with various you know republican candidates for office people who were you know trump associates appointees or administrative members during the time who have spoken out and um there are a lot of rats jumping the ship and it happened very very quickly um i think again you know we, we tend to be hypercritical of particularly broadcast media um on this podcast because of how you know they screw up all the time. Um, 
I've noticed a lot of pushback to all of the networks who have been inviting Bill Barr to speak constantly oh. as, you know, his redemption arc um, when oh. he is absolutely a fascist who went along with everything while it suited and benefited him, who's embedded himself with DeSantis, who, you know, is a worse fascist and um, is only now doing this to save his own ass and inviting him as a guest on all of these stations as if he's not equally, or maybe even in, in many regards, because he predates Trump, uh, more culpable. Uh, right. his, his interviews in particular seem to be pissing everybody off. But of course, then CNN invites people like Byron Donalds. And I'm sure that they, if they gave any pushback to whatever he was saying, it was probably minimal. And it was not confrontational. That's the problem with like me is they want to be confrontational on issues, but not when it comes to the individuals who they invite to their network to say this kind of stuff. Knowing right. fully when they invite them that that's exactly what they're going to say and not having any preparation or motivation to push back. And, you know, that's, I think a lot of the old school newscasters would be like turning in their grave um, For sure. if they saw this kind of stuff. But it's really reflective of kind of the culture of broadcast media, news media, which I don't mm. like to watch. <laughs> you gain nothing, I think, from it. You're not going to get some grand insight um, that you can't get elsewhere or from a conversation with any, you know, decent person who thinks for themselves in the real world. And um, it, it's really just trying to fill hours in the 24-hour news cycle by inviting whoever they think will attract the most attention. So, right. you know, as you mentioned, he's trending. Byron Donalds is now trending because he went on CNN. If nobody invited him to CNN, right. uh, his trendingness would certainly be hindered if he was only on Fox. Right. Um, you know, you and liberals like, engaging in it nearly as much as if he, he was invited to CNN. 100%. And what, what it really comes down to is that the liberals are clutching their pearls going, oh my God, how can he say these things that are crazy? Because of course he's going to say things that are crazy. But the fact that the, the conservatives are grasping on to the fact that he now has a national platform that is not just Fox News that's talking about the $5 million bribe that they allege and the Burisma and all this other crap. And I've just been saying like, look, great. If you got the data, arrest him too, right? Take Hillary Clinton, take Hunter Biden, arrest them all. If you don't, sit down and shut the fuck up because now you are just muddying the waters and whataboutism and red herring, an actual long-term demonstrable threat to national security who was storing things in a fucking shower and then showing it to random ass people to try and impress like, it around. Look, you're not supposed to see this. You're not supposed to, like, I, when I listened to it, I saw it and I was like, oh my God, he's just a moron. You know, there is, there is an argument here about how culpable someone can be if they're stupid. And I know that sounds really bad, but our legal system, the entire way it's constructed is based on intent. Like if you kill someone, it matters a whole fucking lot if it was an accident or if you planned and and executed it on purpose, that we decide how to charge a person based on what they intended. And when you have stupid people, it's kind of hard to say that his intent was to undermine 
you know, spies who, you know, there was a report in October of 2021 in which the CIA was alerted that they had an alarming number of agents who were being compromised, killed, outed, um, more so than they had ever seen over the previous year. And of course, it was in January of 2021 when those documents were removed from the White House and transported oh. both to, I think, Mar-a-Lago, Bedminster, and there might have been somewhere else. I mean, they had to travel, so there were plenty of opportunities. Mother toilet that he left them in. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. Um, and I have a hard time believing that they've got more bathrooms and closets in this place. First of all, it's like, you know, why, what's in your closet? What, what is what is hiding in your closet that the secret documents had to go in the shower? Like, are there bodies? Okay, whatever. We're not going to go down the conspiracy train. I'm just very curious now about the storage situation in Mar-a-Lago that they ran out of space. For well, what it was like, here's the ballroom where other people are going to be. I don't know. Uh, these are, of course, these are ham-handed criminals because they're not criminal masterminds. They are like puppets for other people. And that's what makes them convenient rubes for the Russians and foreign and malign influence, right? It's because that they they can have this air of being a goober and it's not, people don't take them seriously. But that's why I appreciate what- the same nonetheless. And that's true. important. Like we said with the example of murder, either way, someone's Somebody's dead. Died. And right. so someone's going to jail. And right. whether it's for life, you know, or the death penalty or, you know, for 10 years for manslaughter, somebody's going to jail. And I think it's- really important and I, I posted this and was weird i was getting a lot of liberal uh, flack for it i think it was misinterpreted i said if trump is the only one to go to prison then we have failed as a nation of laws and i think maybe some liberals interpreted that as me saying that maybe the bidens or something. i don't know that's not what i meant what i meant was uh people like matt gates andy biggs marjorie taylor green the people who were directly involved with things like byron donald's with orchestrating the coup, uh, with planning January 6th, uh, Ron DeSantis, uh, Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas, who both were involved in the fake elector scheme to try to overthrow democracy. All of these people, if they do not also go to jail, right, then we have failed. Because the thing that I worry about is that Trump was always different. He was a different... He was a phenomena of himself. Like people keep trying to recreate, like DeSantis is kind of the most desperately trying to recreate what it was that Trump was, and they fail because he is his own phenomena. And my fear is, is that we'll treat this situation like that in courts and only go after Trump and allow all of these other people whom Trump could never have gotten away with all these things if he did not have them helping him get off scot-free and continue to be in government. Yeah. And that to me, I mean, it's great that he's finally being held accountable. You know, I'm, I'm thrilled about this. It's history. It's, you know, insane that somebody that powerful could be, you know, charged with a crime in this world. Uh, at the same time, it can't just be him. Like the bodyguard that they're arresting. I, I have to be honest. I read some of that. And I felt sorry for the guy at points. He just... That's the guy. That's the guy who's the co-indictment is the bodyguard or or um, assistant or whatever he was driver at one point. I think he started out as a driver, and then you know Trump told him to start doing things, and so he you know didn't know that. Like I think a box of documents fell over at one point. He took a picture. And was like, oh, all this stuff spilled out. What do you want me to do? And they're like, oh, just move it to so and so. Like that's the guy that that you charged with Trump. Not like Matt Gates. Not Andy Biggs or any of these other people, that guy. 
Right, right. But well, I mean, there was like a female relative that's on part of this. I, I think that what's, I will say that what I think is important and good about this uh, Department of Justice investigation in this particular arraignment is, and what has been echoed by legal scholars is that this is a narrow indictment. They, it's simple, yeah. it's not convoluted. It says exactly ABC, what he did wrong, yeah. why it was wrong. And to only convict them on that. And they um, have the and they have the things. And and that is actually what's gonna make this stick, even though we want to put it into this broader narrative, and we should <laughs> as we talk about it. And yes, there should be additional charges. There have not yet been charges from Jack Smith's uh, special investigation related to January 6th. That hasn't come yet. That is still to come, actually. Um, so I just think that we have to keep politics and the law separate, right? In terms of oh, how we understand this. I think we also have to be fair and realize that's not possible. I, I'm on both sides of that. I'm like, yes, it should not matter. The politics of something should not matter. But at the same time, it's not possible. I mean, it, it's, we are talking about a former president. So it's probably the, the case in which that's the least possible. And, you know, obviously nothing's happened yet with January 6th other than the people who were like you know there that day and it's still very much under investigation and hopefully some of these people will be held accountable but um higher ups the coordinators right they're getting the higher, like the congress people and courts and and people who right. were very high level who didn't have to break in that day because they arranged everything so that everybody would. they arranged a mob and they sent them yes. yeah yeah and undermine the integrity of the election which directly led to what happened um but well, and let me clarify, about politics I, though i mean we I can say like the indictment is very apolitical he took these things yes he did not have permission when we asked him about it and asked him to return them, he lied he moved things so that they would not be found and we have him on tape even acknowledging that he's not supposed to have them and he's not supposed to show them to people while he did it that as but, that's why this indictment is so clean is zip that is a crime a, it's very clear line. but that does not mean that it's a political no I and mean, what i meant know, what i'm saying is that like there are very specific things in the law that you can charge people on there has to be precedent blah 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 right so we should absolutely be talking about the big picture of which donald trump was involved in in a political sense but the courts themselves are limited in what they can do right and there there are certain standards and there are certain pieces of evidence that need to be put in and so i just and honestly, I'm actually thinking back to like my divorce and like all the things that people say like, hey, oh, that shouldn't happen or, you know, this is right and this is wrong. And you go, well, that may feel like the right thing, but the courts say A, B, C, and D. And if we but really- can be weaponized to target people politically. I am a living proof of that. I think yes. we, we have come, I think liberals- have fallen into a trap and the trap is is that we knew the election in 2020 was not stolen so we went hardcore in saying that it was impossible for elections to be interfered with and that's not true 
-hmm. we went, you know, there's no such thing as, you know, politicians influencing elections and turnouts. And that's not true. I mean, 2018 Florida has all kinds of problems. I mean, people are in jail because of things like ghost candidate schemes, you know, defrauding voters, all, all kinds of shit. But we were so like, we have to have one clear message. And the message is, is that election, you know, voting fraud and stuff does not exist. Um, and elections are always done fairly. And they're always exactly as they should be and fair and, you know, accessible, blah, blah, blah. And that's not true. And I think with this talk about weaponization of law enforcement, we, we're falling into the same trap. We're saying that the law is not being weaponized to target political figures when it absolutely fucking is. I mean, there is... Uh, I think it was Rep. Ivy from Maryland uh, drafted the letter demanding an investigation, a congressional level investigation of Ron DeSantis's weaponization of law enforcement, of state police forces right. against political dissidents. And I'm one of them. It also included state resources for state police that were allocated to attacking and trying to dig up dirt and intimidate Andrew Warren, who was a Florida Hillsborough County prosecutor who was fired for signing, co-signing a letter saying that he would not prosecute women and doctors who gave or sought out abortions in the state of Florida if one of the repressive laws had passed. He was fired by the DeSantis administration as what was supposed to seen as like a big win. Now, a federal judge ruled that while firing him was against the state constitution, as a federal officer, he had no authority to appoint or make decisions regarding elected officials in state and county government in the state of Florida. So it was unconstitutional, but the federal government has no authority to appoint people, which is essentially what it would be, it'd be a reappointment of a politically elected person in a state government. So, and then there was also the targeting of legally registered voters with felony records. They raided them in 2022, brought cameras to it. Uh, state police were involved with the kidnapping and trafficking of migrants from Texas who were legally here, had court dates, were not criminals, they were families, they were children, kidnapped them under false pretenses. And I mean, some insane false pretenses. They even printed up some fake fucking flyers for these people, what? kidnapped them, transferred them to Florida before flying them off to Martha's Vineyard. So absolutely law enforcement can be weaponized and is being weaponized in this country to target political figures. So we can't be dismissive of that as a concept. And I think that's really important because we lack in public discourse nuance. Sure. And I think that is reflective of things like Twitter, where you have, you know, whatever they give you now, 280 characters to express, you know, your wisdom and, um, you know, or more if you pay for it. And it's, it's our desire for brevity, for stickiness, for um, ease of transmission of ideas. Uh -huh. But we also lose a lot. And we set ourselves up to fail on major political issues when we oversimplify something as complex as the concept of weaponization of law enforcement, which is real. It's real. It's, it happened to me. I mean, Jesus, they charged my son with a felony for sharing memes on Snapchat, critical of police responding or failing to respond to the Texas shooting in Uvalde. Uh, three memes. One of them was a little darky meme that apparently they thought was my son. If you're unaware, Lil Darky is a grown ass man, a very famous rapper who's not white. And if you can't tell from me, 
my son, like me, is whiter than a North Dakota blizzard, um, is not the same person, but thought it was him making a video talking about shooting places up, and it was a clip of a little darky, he's a rapper, song lyric, and um, charged him with a felony. A 13-year-old kid. So they can so do this. I, I actually was thinking about you in the congressional investigation as Ron DeSantis used the talking point of the weaponization, Jim Jordan, all these other yahoos, right? And I think what makes it an effective tool for the right is that there is truth to it. However, they're misapplying it, right? I don't think, and I think that especially with the case with Jack Smith, uh, and the special counsel and all these other kinds of things. This is not a case of weaponization. No, of it's not. It's not a witch hunt. I think, you know, we, we kind of come up with that difference is like, we can't say that it doesn't happen. We can just say, look, he's charged with taking documents he wasn't supposed to have. He knew he wasn't supposed to have them. Um, there's no deny. He's He admitted it. So it's whether or not you think that he should have to pay for it as if anybody else would. That is the issue. Be, be real and be honest. You don't think it's a big deal. You can't change the fact that it's a crime. Just because you don't think it's a big deal does not mean that it wasn't a crime. And right. what you're and that's asking the what about is, by um, saying is that he should not be charged is you're asking for political privilege. You're asking for a political exemption and political privilege when dealing with the courts. And we don't use that language. Instead, we're like, oh, you know, we, we don't, the law is the law and the courts and the courts are, are safe and perfect and they don't railroad people. And, you know, they have this great record, especially when it comes to like racial, you know, biases <laughs> right. and, and, you know, overzealous prosecution and doing things like offering me a plea deal in writing that for a, an unrelated matter would have required me to drop my whistleblower complaint and move out of the state, which is illegal. They do these things. We just have to point out what the actual problem is. It's like you're asking for a, a hall pass because he was president. Right. And, and that's and, not the same thing. It doesn't happen. Right. But this is this is a very common tactic of disinformation, right? Is there's a grain of truth. It's believable in a certain perspective. Right. People believe it. And I think that because there's actually been so many people that have had personal experiences where they've been railroaded by the, the, ju the judicial system, especially in communities of color, that it's not hard for people to believe that the same thing can happen to Donald Trump. And he's using that to create a disinformation narrative to exonerate himself in the public's eye. Sorry, my allergies are so bad. I've, I've had those stray kittens in this room. And if you guys are wondering, like, why my eyes are watering and why my nose is running, I'm allergic to cats. Um, so, but, you know, I can't help it. And so this, they've been living in the, the office room. So um, I'm dying here. But that's a little segue. Um, yes, I, I, I think that's true. It, it opens up an opportunity. Anytime a political person is prosecuted for anything, it's a witch hunt. I mean, Matt Gates did the same thing, you know, about the multiple investigations. By the way, Congress um, reopened their investigation into uh, a host of issues with Matt Gates, including drug abuse, um, sharing pornographic images on the House floor, um, all, all kinds of stuff. And I don't know why. I don't know if this is retribution for the whole speakership debacle. 
if this is Republicans making a play to oust all the MAGA people, um, which if they, the people behind the Republican party, the Koch brothers, things like that are smart. And they have to see the writing on the wall here. They have to know that this is going to crash and burn. And mm. if I was one of those strategists, I'd say, get rid of all of them. Make 2024, except you're going to lose. Just accept it. Burn all of it. Rebuild with your more mainstream, your Reagans, your Romneys, your things like that. Um, and come back and reclaim. Because this will not last. Well, it, it but that was one of the concessions, remember? So maybe that's why they're trying to go after him in terms of an investigation, because one of the concessions was that they would not be primary. Yeah, but they can't enforce that. So, I mean, you can't actually enforce that. Um, you can't enforce any of it. It's a negotiation, but. Starting itself in states like Florida cannot prohibit someone from running on a party ticket. In fact, it compels you, the law in this state, as we know, compels you to run as the party that you're registered with. So the Republican Party cannot prevent a primary. They can say that they're not going to, you know, support an opponent, blah, blah, blah. But they never do that anyways. They always support their incumbents. And I mean, with Matt Gates here in Florida, the Republican Party didn't want him to win, but they weren't going to go all in against him because they realized that, you know, in the primary, he was undefeatable. And so they can't enforce that. I also think it might be maybe Matt Gates has something that is useful or has made his own threats and said, you're going to reopen the investigation and then close it and vindicate me. I would not be surprised if he did that because it was not closed due to, you know, findings. It expired. And so they could have just let it expire and it would have just been an unresolved investigation, but instead they're picking it back up and they could easily just say, oh, look, we didn't find anything. He, he didn't do anything wrong, blah, 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 blah. If Matt Gates had his sights set on a higher office, that would make sense. Um, but why anybody would listen to this little shithead and give him that kind of like rope? I have no idea. I am like, um, it's, I mean, it's interesting. It's that made him go poopy in his pants and then on the house floor on live TV. So I don't, I, I know they've got to have stuff on him. Um, but yeah, so at any rate, you know, that's the Republicans doing that. And so everything when it involves people that are public people is political. I mean, even Taylor Swift, when she was sued by this DJ years ago, and this is old, old school. Taylor Swift was once sued in court by a man who groped her on camera um, because after that happened, she told the people at the venue and he got fired and nobody would hire him anymore. And so he sued her for defamation or for damages or, you know, damage to his reputation. And she countersued for a dollar because uh, you have to put an amount and a minimum has to be a dollar. And so she countersued for a dollar. She won. And even in that case in which, you know, the bodyguard was there and, and he was, I remember his testimony was actually really sad. He was so upset that he was like, I'm supposed to protect her from guys like this. And I sat there and I watched it happen and it happened so quickly that I couldn't do anything. And it was really fucked up. That was politicized because she's a huge figure. And mm -hmm. it's just, you can't have anything involving people who are super famous, but especially politicians and it not have that stain on it unfortunately, which works, you know, if you're being held accountable for the first time, you can just claim everything's a witch hunt. Um, or if you get away with everything, you can say that you've been vindicated. Um, it, it's, it's just, yeah. I, I agree. So let me put it, let me like close this with this. I, I agree with your criticism, but I think that it's because when you are facing a party 
whose actual platform is to destroy institutions, right? Which is the, that's the Steve Bannon, you know, whole desire is to put the people in charge to dismantle the agency. I think the opposition to that, the natural place is to be an institutionalist, right? To support the institution. So I think it's a comfortable place. And I think that, I think that there's a lot of criticism to go around. And actually this is the rift a lot of times between the progressives and the more moderate Democrats, right? Is that the progressives want to say, Hey, look, there's still issues with these various institutions and your moderate folks want to be like, Hey, we have to, we have to, we have to let Joe Biden. I'm very (laughs) much an anti-institution person. I have never seen an institution willingly, um, fix a wrong that it's done, especially when it's like a person versus institution. I inherently now believe the person every single time, every fucking time before. I mean, I don't think there's a single institution too, that is beyond that kind of storyline of escaping that. Because if you look at people who, you know, report rapes at universities and then the university goes out of its fucking way to cover it up, Florida state being one of them, you know, with the whole James Winston thing. Now, the girl there ended up getting millions of dollars in the settlement from Florida state, but it doesn't undo what happened to her. And it's not going to unfollow her for the rest of her life. And James Winston is still a fucking NFL football player who the saints recruit, um, which pisses me off because that's my fucking team. Anyways, like, cause I look at a mission. We'll do whatever. Yeah. Oh, that's true. Um, The entire institution will protect itself. Sure. It's not interested in protecting anything but itself i mean penn state as far as you know academic is probably the biggest example of an institution going to sick desperate lengths to protect itself from victims of its act of its infrastructure um it's it's literally everything i mean academia i always thought was like the more comfortable place the institutions that were more trusting than other things And, and whether it's diddlers on the football you know administration or james you know james winston types rapes of football players or even academic misconduct cases they, they mm-hmm. do they do what they have to do to, to survive sure and that's I, true of government especially. i was gonna say i'm a public administration person so i always have faith that if we have actually truly participatory and democratic processes, which we can create, that we can create change and create flexible functioning institutions. And I think that I'm not ready to give up hope yet, I guess, is is the point. I will say that I believe, I believe the people who bring forward wrongdoing and the whistleblowers, I think that's really important. I think that's part of it, right? You actually need that. You need that. And you need, another arena and that's why the judicial component is there to to help to navigate between our judicial system is comprised entirely of either elected or politically appointed people right so in in a perfect world where we do have this you know 100 participation in democracy from a properly informed um aka not misinformed uh populace then yes sure but we don't and yeah. judges are appointed by politicians who are elected in gerrymandered elections or through an electoral college that does not, you know, represent the populace of this country. So in an ideal world, sure, but we don't live in an ideal world. 
Right. We live in a drive toward it. And that's what I was like. I just don't ever want to like throw the whole thing out because, and this is why the moderate Democrats always do this. If you start every time it's criticized, right? All the criticisms of the institutions are used by the right to, 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 to justify their destruction of the institutions. And I think that that's where, you know, so I've kind of straddled the line. I'm happy to criticize, but I always want to say like, look, let's, let's work to improve it. Let's elect people to make it better. Let's have a liberal version of the Federalist Society where we start appointing judges, right? Yeah, like, well, we don't do that though. So that's like the thing is, is that there are two completely different psychologies and philosophies yeah. behind the two parties. They're not just the opposite sides of the same coin. They're not even in the same currency. And True. portraying them as, you know, similar oh it's they're the same thing they're not they're not remotely the same thing the tactics are not the same the effectiveness is not the same the objectives are not the same um none of it is the same you can say sure there are corrupt people who are rich and just want to protect their privilege and hold on to power and sure yeah that's true that is politics and power in general it will yep. always attract the affluent the comfortable and those who want to you know have power but they are entirely different institutions. You're you're yeah. like comparing a government to like an academic institution almost. They, they don't believe in the same things. Right. And they will not do the same things to accomplish even a same goal. And so it's it's really one of those. And, and that message really only serves one purpose. And that's to make people disaffected with the political process. Uh, it's something that Russia propaganda promotes quite a bit. You see it yep. with third party candidates. Uh, we should talk more about all of these people who <laughs> are are running either on the, um, the People's, Party. People's Party or, you know, RFK, who's a Democrat in an alternate universe, I, I assume. Um, yeah. But, you know, this is this whole drive, oh, I'm going to vote third party, even though realistically speaking, that is doing nothing but helping. And 99% of the time, the far right uh, is something that's very much fueled by foreign interests who want to make people disaffected with the democratic process to reduce turnout, to reduce participation, to increase anger, um, resentment, and make them basically overwhelmed and apathetic. And so uh, that, that's an incredibly smart strategies like oh i'm gonna vote for where was it gary johnson fucking gary johnson do people not that's a libertarian that's a libertarian candidate yeah but it's it's oh, always one of the green party candidate you know oh, or you know Jill's now fine. we have what's his name um cornell west yeah cornell west who their entire campaigns are only effectively doing one thing and that's hurting democrats and they're going to be promoted by very obvious you know inauthentic um social media accounts marion williamson's is probably the greatest example of that this election cycle oh that one seems to be burning out very quickly uh jill stein was one of the previous ones who got the benefit of the inauthentic social media users artificially promoting her platform and account um yeah. but yeah it's it really only serves on purpose and it works i've mentioned in the past how i love my neighbor um, how, when I moved into my house, I put up one of my yard signs and this would have been in June of, or May of, uh, 2022. So before the primaries, I was running against Matt Gates, and I put one of my own yard signs in the front yard. And the next day he had a, let's go Brandon flag on his porch. And mm -hmm. yeah, so I was like, oh shit, he did not have that when I moved in there. And now, now it's up there. 
Mm -hmm. and then I had some neighbors like that too. <laughs> then he realized who I was and he took it down. And about a month later, um, after, because the tension obviously with an election and everything, the closer you get to it is, is more talked about. He came over one day and we talked and um, we became really good friends and he voted for me. And um, he's a very reasonable guy and good heart. He's a veteran, um, you know, struggles with a lot of the PTSD from combat because he was injured, uh, shot. But um, he actually texted me uh, a few days ago and said he was really looking into RFK and um, he was really interested in him. And I was like, the, the guy who said that I should be hanged, that me personally should be, should be hanged for supporting vaccines, that guy? He's like, oh, did you really say that? I was like, yeah, he named me. I was one of the, the multiple people that he named. He said I should be killed. Uh, me, my good friend Peter Hotez, and a whole bunch of other people. I was like, that's the guy you think is the reasonable alternative to Biden. Who, let's be honest, is like a vanilla wafer of a president. There's, there's no, there's no spice or flavor there whatsoever, and that's why they picked him. And you're yeah. thinking of that guy. And so it's interesting because I started talking to him about it. I wanted to understand why. You know, what in the world? Because he used to be a Republican, would lead a person that is smart that is reasonable, that is compassionate, you know, that wants to, is not like those people who can change too, is open to changing his opinion, to fucking RFK. And sure enough, the conversation went into how he was reading online about all of these things. And I was like, can you share some of that with me? And, uh, you know, so he sent me some of the links and yeah, these accounts are um, run by a Russian troll farm that are out there promoting RFK. So it's, oh God, I don't know how I got on this tangent, but reasonable people can be very susceptible to this shit. And uh, I don't remember well, why. <laughs> we started on that road. I think it's also confirmation bias, right? So there's, you know, people look for what they want to believe, right? So they already believe this. So it sounds like he was probably wanted to believe the anti-vax stuff. So we kind of went down. Yeah, he was leaning that way. I know that he was. We've had that conversation in the past and I exited it um, because I actually said, look, we're not going to agree on this. Uh, and I, I would prefer, you know, that we not talk about it anymore because I didn't want it to, you know, I didn't want it to be a bad situation for us as That's friends. Um, but, you know, RFK was celebrated within the progressive group before the vaccine stuff because he was part of another group that overlaps with vac anti-vaxxness um, for a long time. And that's the anti-GMO radical, what we call environmental um, far left, which is really just, I, I think far left is probably a bad description. I think it's a circle. It's a fucking circle. And they yeah. also align with the anti-government far right. Um, it's really not a, a square. This fucking shit's a circle and you will loop back. Yeah. Well, um, that's like a lot of my like crunchy, like Montessori moms, like that I knew when my kids were small that it was like, oh yeah, we got to feed the organic and yeah, non-GMO and, and also, the vaccine questioning was coming in that too. Before COVID, the anti-vax crowd was almost exclusively one of two people, very, very conservative religious groups. Um, and you're, you're thinking, you know, some Jewish communities and then your Christian oh, scientists yeah. and things like that. Um, or affluent, white, educated, suburban mm -hmm. families. That Those were the two big anti-vax groups. 
that that second group falls squarely in line with a lot of progressive ideals and they are tend to be very environmentally active they're you know for the clean air mm -hmm. act the clean water act so on the surface they seem very reasonable but then you can do something as simple as say you know oh you shouldn't drink that it's full of like dihydrogen monoxide and they'll flip the fuck out and they'll tell everybody to stop drinking dihydrogen monoxide because it sounds like a chemical even though dihydrogen monoxide is, is water it's h2o it's water um there there was literally a and, and i know some people are going to harp on the ethics of a social media uh experiment but they they did a social media experiment trying to get people um to see how they would react if they were told that they're water was contained dihydrogen monoxide and within like weeks an entire like disinformation campaign targeting like nestle because they produce like dasani and things like that um people asking them if their product had dihydrogen monoxide in it because they would not drink it if it did and i think dasani actually had this witty like tweet like well yes it's 100 dihydrogen monoxide and we like it that way and you know it just like the outrage over it was insane. But the, these were the same people who were anti-vax because they had a distrust of the government there as you an go. institution, um, yep. because they distrusted science to a large degree because, or geo the geoengineering as they see it, science to a large degree. So they believe that chemical pollutants and toxins are everywhere and there are Destroying the planet, and some of that is true. There are good arguments as to why genetically modified animals are toxic to the planet um, and to mm -hmm. people. But to write off GMOs as a whole is incredibly reckless, misguided, and a could be its own episode, and maybe we'll have to do that, of yeah. how those little non-GMO labels um are actually harming our ability to sustainably farm yeah and um that's that we'll get into that another time yeah let's yeah. do that i was gonna say too because that's all so it's that is wrapped up in this distrust of the government but it's also distrust of big corporations because that's what that was it was that partnership that iron triangle stuff right where people are saying big pharma is basically producing and getting kickbacks from the government to produce these vaccines. And then the government is reinforcing that through their mandates. And that was picked up in the COVID anti-vax movement. But that's what all the crunchy moms were talking about. Um, same thing in but the GMO was Monsanto. They do not help themselves because no. when you have huge cases like the ones against Purdue um, regarding uh, opioids, and how they knew they were addictive. They knew they were being overprescribed yep. and misprescribed, and they pushed it, knowing how dangerous and reckless it was. Mm -hmm. That was big pharma as the big boogeyman that we all envisioned it in real life. They did that. Right. And so when you get caught doing that shit, and again, it is an institution. Companies, especially huge ones like that, are institutions that will do whatever it takes, and their objective is profit. Academias yep. is different. Governments is different. For companies, it's only profit. They will do horrible things to further that ultimate goal, which for right. them is to make money, regardless of the cost. And they don't fucking help themselves. So it, I, I am obviously more on the distrust of institution side. Um, well, I think that, but we need a, we need a healthy distrust, right? And we have to look at the value of checking what each other. 
skepticism and to understand that each situation is unique, um, that there is nuance and that, you know, the way that I think this case is being handled with Donald Trump, as you mentioned, is almost surgical expertise in combating everything that they knew was going to happen when they did it. And it's just, look, he did this. That's illegal. He admitted it was illegal. He got caught doing it. The end has nothing to do with his politics right. or who even he right. shared it with. Um, just the fact that these were actual events that happened in time. It's not going to stay that way. That conversation has already gone off the rails and it is coming from the Republican apparatus. But you, yeah. as I said, you're seeing rats jump. Nikki Haley, I saw her interview this morning. She was coming hard for Trump. That was a huge turn from previous, you know, things that she said, Tim Cook did the same thing. Um, I don't know if John Bolton is still running or if anybody gives a shit, but I'm sure that he'll also be condemning. Chris Christie came out very openly in the very beginning and said that these were very serious things. Um, They're all turning now against Trump. And it's those who are closest to him right now, the ones that are staying on his ship, I think that are the ones probably in the most amount of trouble. like Byron Donalds or those who were involved with other activities that they need to see Trump succeed because they have something to risk. Um, The same way that Nikki Haley and everybody else has the most to gain from him failing. So it's- Well, Byron Donalds is looking at getting a VP pick and frankly, there's no other way that a, well, I think he sees it as the only path. Well, he's delusional. I mean, he's got as much of a chance of doing the V pick as Matt Gates does. Um, who Donald Trump still can't even remember his name and disinvited him from Mar-a-Lago. So I mean, it's going to be Carrie Lake. It's going to be Carrie Lake. I mean, I, I don't know who else is delusional at this point. I think it's going to be MTG. Carrie Lake, but huh? Marjorie Taylor Greene. Yeah. No, she won't. She's been too critical of Trump. Um, she won't get it. It's going to be Carrie Lake. I mean, it's that is the he's digging in. Um, so it's, uh, she's but it's also, woman. it's also an endurance race too. I think that's it, you know? So I don't think, it's gonna, I think it, it's going to be a woman. I think he's going to be very clear about that. Um, but he wants a submissive woman who he can control. Marjorie Taylor Greene is crazy. She's not attractive, which does not help his chances. He's going to pick a woman that he thinks is attractive and listen to him. And that's Carrie Lake. And she gets all the people fucking fired up with her crazy shit. And, um, She's got a big media personality that they're going to go with her and anybody else, maybe other than Christy Nome would just make no fucking sense. But uh, at any rate, um, I think this asshole is getting indicted today. It's in Miami. Hopefully and this, this will air after all is said and done, but I'm hoping that it's um, peaceful to be honest. This morning, it hasn't been super active apparently there are buses they've loaded up buses from orlando to go down there with proud boys is what i've heard so who knows but it honestly doesn't look like the miami pd is super um ready for this because it's like they just got the cop cars hanging out outside like they blocked the the road i think are, are supervising um because i know that uh my uh pseudo friend laura loomer found out that she had been put on a DOJ watch list. I saw uh, that. For this event. And I found out that it was DeSantis's people who put her on that fucking list. So yeah, they're playing some dirty fucking shenanigans in Florida. Florida. And it is, it's basically like 
I feel somewhat like Trump is a bleeding cow that they just threw into a pond full of piranhas and everybody just, um, but that doesn't mean that he's down and out yet. So, you know, no, it's not years. I mean, it took two years for me to get the state to agree to dismiss a case, a bullshit case that they knew was bullshit. Two fucking years. There's no way that this trial is going to be over before the election next year. And even if it was, he could appeal it. He can stall. He can do all kinds of shit. It's not going to be resolved. And if it is, then that's, that's going to be like our first for the justice system ever. But um, we're going to be talking about this for years. So... Sure. Yeah, it was funny. CNN was like super. They're like, "Oh, Florida's got a rocket docket," and I'm just like, "They got a what?" <laughs> no, they don't. No, they don't. They do not. Well, Maybe it's, for the space because you're supposed to have special. your first appearance, right? Your first appearance is within the first 24 hours after criminal charge. That and then That's it's fast, within 70 days. But... Every single time there's a new prosecutor or a change, they can just issue a continuance, kick it down the road another three months i right. saw it happen to me without even like we didn't even have a trial it was two years of nothing like we took two depositions that looked really bad for the state and still had to wait like a whole nother nine months after that to get them to dismiss it so this shit does not happen fast and if they speed it up then trump's gonna have a lot more to say about it being a witch hunt and it being political if he manages to get a rapid trial that nobody else can get and they convict him yeah, he's going to say that that was to derail his hopes of president. But um, I think with the care that they took with the indictment, I would be surprised if they don't do everything by the letter, um, which would be nice if they would do that for everyone. If they would require yeah. that level of proof for every person that is ever arrested and charged with a crime. But again, he gets, you know, a political privilege pass to um, be treated specially. And um, we also need it to be done right. I and mean, this is where the, the broader question of how it affects us and how it affects our democracy. I mean, really, this cannot be a swing and a miss is what it comes down to. This cannot be a I swing and a miss. I think they, they went with the cleanest, most severe, provable. I mean, Jesus, I, I read it, the stuff that they've got. I mean, he knew, he knew, and he said he knew. And, and, and like, that is the worst part for him is that he was like, I'm not even supposed to have this or show this to you. Look at it. I mean, that, that it, that is like the whole fucking case right there. I mean, uh -huh. that, that one recording is all that you need <laughs> to establish motive, to understand an understanding of the law, to knowledge of the illegality of it. I mean, that's it. So it's, I think they took a lot of care and it's going to be a lot harder for him to claim that this is, you know, persecution than the one in New York, you know, with these fraud allegations from like 2016 or um, whatever it is. So we'll see. Yeah. By the time you guys hear this, hopefully we'll be talking about something else um, because again, Trump is getting exactly what he fucking wants and that everybody is talking about him. Um, and by the yeah. time this comes out, oh, I'm very excited. Uh, I'll just say check all my social media because we are dropping the trailer for my documentary that we oh, have been wow. working on for two and a half years. So that should be out by the time you watch that. If not, it'll be out later this same day. So um, yeah, watch that. We're trying to fundraise to take it to as many cities as we can. Um, I have to go to Syracuse first. That is a where I met Josh Fox, who's the Academy Award nominated director um, who made this film. 
we met in Newhouse when he was screening Gasland. I was the student reporter for the local for the student newspaper, the Daily Orange, and I was writing about his screening and I interviewed him and uh, we met in that room. And so, you know, all these years later, it'll be have been like 11 years later, we are going to take our film back there to screen and, um, you know, kind of like a, a whole circle thing. And um, I haven't seen the trailer and I'm not allowed to until it's out, I guess you know, there's this whole separation of me from the actual filmmaking thing. Um, I'm, I'm, the movie's about me, but I can't be involved in like the cutting or the editing or any of that other shit. Um, I'm nervous and excited. It's well, that'll be great. We're looking forward to seeing Um, that. Yeah, for sure. Find me there. Uh, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, spoutable, uh, Facebook sometimes if it cross posts, then yeah, otherwise not really. Um, if I, it automatically reposted to Facebook, it's on there. If not, I don't really bother. But, um, and also of course, catch up with us here. Um, we are, I think I'm going to do a thing about N- um, NGOs next time since we brought it up. Because yeah, that has a very interesting history and um, is deeply rooted in misinformation. And so I, yeah, we'll do that. But Ooh, that be has been this week. Um, we are almost out of time and I've got a NASA spaces I'm supposed to host in like 30 seconds. So thank you guys for being here and, uh, joining us. And remember you can subscribe, like, share, love, all of those things. Cindy always is, has the, like, I was say, this is, thank you so much for joining us with misinformation with Rebecca Jones. I have been your co-host, Dr. Cindy Banier. Check out all that we have to offer on Big Mouth Media at bigmouthmediafl.com. You can subscribe to this show for $4.99 a month or $49.99 a year or all our shows for $19.99. Thank you so much for watching us and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining Misinformational with Rebecca Jones brought to you by Big Mouth Media. Stay connected by visiting misinformational.com and check out all the great shows and articles on bigmouthmediafl.com. You can also join the conversation with us on Facebook, Instagram, and the cesspool that's Twitter. Don't forget to subscribe to Misinformational wherever you get your podcasts.